Little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he churned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. Q is here. I am Tom. Gatto is not here right now because he's not, one, being held captive, two, not having to fix something. He's actually trapped on the Long Island Railroad right now because that's how his life works. <laughs> Q, how are you doing? I'm fucking dandy. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Um, before we get into it tonight, do you want to tell our listeners and viewers what possessed you to go to your destination tomorrow? Um, I mean, I'm pretty much a glutton for punishment, so it kind of makes sense. I'm going to New Orleans uh, tomorrow, and yeah, the the uh, I'm getting there tomorrow evening, and third, I'm staying till Monday night, Monday evening, and uh, Thursday will be like the first. And apparently, Thursday is the party day, um, for New Orleans. Like that, apparently, Thursdays are are that. Um, it's gonna be 101 degrees. Love that for you. Yeah. Is there a particular place that you've picked out that you want to go? A uh, couple. A couple. I do oh. want to do a swamp tour uh, for sure. Um, I want to see some gators. And, uh, but I, I think I've heard uh, Frenchman Street supposed to be very cool. Uh, so it's not a particular place necessarily. It's uh, more of a location. It's kind of off bourbon. And it's apparently where the locals go hang out. But the music and the food is supposed to be incredible there. Um, but, uh, there is a place called the carousel bar and mm. it's actually a bar that rotates as you sit there. So like you actually kind of just like, it's almost like, you know, like a carousel. Um, so that, and then of course I want to go to cafe Dumont. I want to get some beignets, yeah, some you gotta sugar, do it. snort some powdered sugar, inject it. If I have to get it in me. So just to be clear, this is a booze and trip, right? Yeah, no, this is this is a because uh, I've been like fasting and like dieting hardcore these last few weeks, um, working out um, really, really hard. So this is my chance to booze and eat. And, and no, I can't think of any other perfect spot to do that. So nice. Well, I think that you'll have a great time there. Um, I don't have enough money to bail you out. So. This might be the last time I ever see you. Good yeah, luck. Tom, it's been nice knowing you. Um, you know, uh, I'll see you in the afterlife. Well, actually, I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, it's just I, I had to ask that question because like New Orleans in August is an absolute hellscape. It's warm down there in October, let alone in yeah. August. I, so. I, I originally had the idea of going to Long Beach for a week. Okay. And, you know, for anybody who's from Long Island, Long Beach is uh, a very cool spot 
I was actually there this past weekend. The beach is fucking great. Boardwalk. The bar is always very good. Food is always good. And it's just it's just a cool place to hang out. And it's like end of the summer. So I figured it's a, it's kind of a perfect place. And like an Airbnb and not a really nice one for four days. I was only going to do three or four days was like fifteen hundred dollars. And I'm like, that's a little fucking steep for, you know, a, like a four day. And then like I checked there was a hotel there, too. And it's like five hundred dollars a night. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know about that. So and then I was thinking, like, maybe go to AC. Same shit. It's because it's the last week of August that like everyone the knows the summer's ending and it's coming to a close. So everyone wants to get that last bit in. So it's everything is either booked or it's fucking crazy expensive. So New Orleans is on my list for a while and like relatively cheap trip. But also like there's high, a reason for that. <laughs> but high hot but like high probability of like having a good time and, and good food and good drinks. So uh yeah, no, it, the heat is gonna be a problem. I already know that. Um so I'm not prepared for it. I'm hoping the AC and the fucking hotel is good. Um because like any hotel other unless you're staying in like a fucking Sheridan or like a Hilton in New Orleans, you're staying in like uh, what essentially comes out to an Airbnb, you yeah. know, it's a, it's a, like a local hotel. So, but uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, it's right. My, my hotel's literally like, like right off bourbon. Like, so there's like a little side street and you walk like a hundred feet and it's right there. So the name of your hotel, uh, the Chateau New Orleans. Ooh, fancy Chateau. Yeah, it's got a pool, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, I think that's probably a good bet for you. As long as you're near water and yeah. like a pool would be really good. I think you'll have a good time. I think you'll get used to the the heat. And and frankly, I think there's enough shit down there inside that'll keep you occupied. Yeah. Um, but if the humidity humidity doesn't make you sleepy, my man, you can fucking eat so much food down there, you're gonna fall asleep on the street. Dude, it's I all so good too. I was looking at like some of the restaurants down there and everything I see is just like, I'm like, I'm going to gain 20, 30 pounds on this trip alone. Cause like between the, you might not, you might not might sweat it all out. Yeah, (laughs) true. Um, Because yeah, between like the fried chicken, the, the, you know, jambalaya, the fucking po' boys and all that. Everything just looks fucking crazy good. So, and then beignets, obviously. Yeah. I mean, just alcohol. Um, yeah, watch out for the grenades down there. I've I've heard that a couple times. Everyone keeps telling me, like, pace yourself with the grenades. Yeah, because they, they make them very strong. Like, you don't need a whole lot of them in order to get where you need to go. So Yeah. I like the idea, though, that I can, like, take a drink from one bar and go walk into another bar with the same drink. Yeah, it is pretty sick. They, yeah. They've got it tuned up down there, so um, you will never not have a good time. Well, yeah. do us a favor and send us some pictures. Of Just, course. Frankly, it's a proof of life, so we know that you're okay. But also, too, we want to see what you're eating and what you're drinking on. I will, I will definitely do that. Um, so those proofs of life will be in our Discord channel. And if you want to participate in that, all you got to do is go to um, our – we're streaming on all the major platforms and YouTube and Twitch. You can find that information 
the link to our Discord is in there as well. But let's get into um, some of the things we wanted to talk about tonight. This will be a quick show just because Hugh's got some shit to do tonight. Um, I want to start first and foremost with the Baltimore Ravens-Washington Commandos game that was last night. Um, Sam Howell started, played pretty well, um, got to see a lot of starters on both sides, except for Lamar um, Jackson, who was not playing. Um, Hugh, as a non-fan of either of those teams, did you watch that game? And if you did, what are some of the takeaways he had? Yeah, I did. I, I, I was watching it, and honestly uh... – it was pretty. It was pretty bad. Good. I, I appreciated the competitiveness uh, because I, I imagine that Washington wanted to win this game pretty bad because of everyone saying the twenty four and zero for Baltimore Ravens over the last few uh, preseason years. Um, but really, really impressive job by Sam Howell. I, I, you know, I I told you when they drafted him, I said like that was to me. It was you know as a Giants fan and a disliker of any other NFC East team out there, it pissed me off because Sam Howell. I think I, I, I said I've told you this before. I think he got the Baker Mayfield treatment. He has a similar build and like throwing style and all that to Baker Mayfield. So I think he went like he, he was supposed to be like the first pick in the draft. Everyone kept saying he was going to be the first pick in the draft, and then he his junior year did not go well. He had lost a lot of his starters. And he ends up in the fifth round. I thought it was a joke that he ended up in the fifth round. And the fact that, of course, he couldn't just go anywhere else. He couldn't go to the fucking Titans or something, you know. Um, I have a feeling he's going to be good. He was 19 of 25, so it's 188, 7.5 yards per, per two uh, two touchdowns, no picks. Now, granted, the Baltimore defense, not very good. We know this already. They, they got destroyed last year. Ever since Wink Martindale went to the Giants, they've not been exceptional or anything like that. But – there's a difference also between like you you can't say like oh well it doesn't mean anything because it was against a bad defense right because at the end of the day he did exactly what you're supposed to do against a bad defense he ripped him up and he passes the eye test so uh but another guy that i was more interested in was a guy who i liked uh out of kentucky this year your running back chris rodriguez mm-hmm. um i really liked him he looked pretty solid last night running the ball you have a couple of young backs that are pretty interesting between Gibson and uh, Brian Robinson, now Chris Rodriguez. So you got a couple, you don't have, I don't think you guys have like a bell cow, but you're kind of doing what the modern NFL is doing, which is pretty much having like a stable of guys. Yeah. They're in a really interesting situation right now when it comes to running backs, because between Rodriguez, Robinson, Mm -hmm. Gibson, Jonathan Williams, and Jarrett Patterson, these are all guys that have kind of floated through the system. Um, Patterson is from the University of Buffalo, and they I'm were Buffalo. high. Yeah, yeah, I, I, they I, I, the, the similar uniforms, Kentucky. So yeah, but they they were high on him for a little while too. I think yeah. he spent a lot of time on the practice squad. Um, I'm curious to see who goes, um, who sticks with the team, because I can imagine that they'll probably play three of these guys pretty consistently. But there's yeah, Jonathan so Williams room. too who's bounced yeah. around a lot, but he's been always been pretty solid wherever he goes. And he's been on the team for a little while too. I think he yeah. was there last year as well. So, I mean, I think for all of the faults of this team has had, they've, they've always seemed to be able to put something together at running back, which is, which is nice, but I'd like to see a full season of Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson finally be utilized properly. Now that Eric, the is there. Um, 
The only I, concern is Scary Terry. Um, yeah. So they're saying turf toe, which um, doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to miss any time. Uh, but, you know, maybe obviously preseason week three. But, like, the only thing I'd worry about is, the, you know, a toe for a receiver is something that probably could get re-injured pretty easily and also could be something that lingers. So that's only the one thing to keep in mind for especially fantasy purposes. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I saw that last night and it was concerning, but I think a lot of the tweets that came out about it this morning were a little reassuring knowing that um, like they're on it and it's not as severe as they thought it was going to be. So I'm good with that. There were parts of this game, too, that I didn't love. I didn't love that opening drive from Baltimore. It seemed like they were just really able to just cut through everybody. It was Josh um, Johnson at quarterback, too. And yeah. No, who's no Odell. Thir- and, yeah. Who's 38 years old. Zay Flowers looks great. Wow. I mean, Zay, I mean, I knew it already. Uh, good point by Mario also um, pointing out, like, the, the Ravens' backfield last year got destroyed. So you do – they are like I appreciate the style that the commanders are going with that, you know, more just have guys who do different things at running yep. back. Um yeah, Flowers Flowers looks legit. Um some of the coverage stuff was a little questionable last mm-hmm. night too. One of the guys that they drafted this year, Quan Martin, didn't look great um in coverage, but he's learning a couple of positions as well. And he was really drafted to be like the turnover guy. Um yeah. Forbes was kind of up and down. Um, but again, these are rookies, so they were playing him way off too, though. Like I was, I was very surprised by that. Um, I think they were doing that so like he could read the ball off the quarterback and yeah. make a make like make a play and get a turnover. I think he, that he, was the behind. That. He, he is a zone corner by trade, uh, so that makes perfect sense. But it was like they were playing him really far back, and I'm like, with a guy like uh with a guy like say flowers you give him that much cushion he will take it so Mm -hmm. so it was just it was just a bit surprising more than anything yeah um quan martin did have a pick um at one point in this game too which was nice to see that turnover component there honestly like i was watching that game last night and the more i saw from sam howell the more i really liked just the zip that came off the ball and like decision making was really good he took kind of a a bad sack in the first quarter, but that was a bad think, one. Yeah. But he rebounded. Yeah. I think that's when you'll definitely learn from. And he took that sack and then threw a third down pass. It was completed and they kept moving it. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm just impressed by like the quick decision-making and the arm strength. I think I can't stop talking about that. Cause it just seemed like every ball that he threw. Fires was, off his hand. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, he's young. That, too. It's exactly what he needed to. They needed reps and he got 25 opportunities to throw the ball last night. He got to see some NFL players. Yeah. Um, I think it was just like making sure that the system is going to run properly and 188, not a ton of yardage, but I also too was like, Let's just get momentum. We're playing only here. like what the first half. I mean, that's yeah. relatively good. Yeah, I, the thing that also to keep in mind about Howell is that he's relatively young. I think he's only 21, 22 years old. He was like, because last year, that quarterback class that wasn't considered to be anything good, I would argue, I think every one of those guys, other than Howell, were all either 23, 24, or 25. Like they were a lot of the COVID year guys. So like Kenny Pickett was already 24 coming into the NFL. 
Howell, I think, was 21 coming in. Mm-hmm. So you give a little bit more leeway to the 21-year-olds because it's like, well, yeah, he's younger. He hasn't seen as much reps as the other guys. So I give him a little bit more leeway that he needs more time to develop. Uh, so I think the fact that he's like already looking this good, but like there's a difference between, I always say this, there's a difference between guys that have the traits and haven't put it together yet. And the guys who are like good game managers, but you look at his arm and you're like, he doesn't have the arm strength to mm-hmm. be who you think he can be. Powell has literally everything you want. He's got the, the escapability. He seems like he feels pressure really well. He's got the fucking top arm. He just needs to be able to put it together, and it seems like he's already kind of doing that. Yeah, and the thing about Howell, too, was he started at North Carolina as a freshman. He was a freshman starter, yeah. But to your point, it's not just like the COVID year guys, but it's like the redshirt freshmen, and those a lot of those guys also transferred. So Malik Willis is 24. He went from Auburn to Liberty. Right. Um, Kenny Pickett spent five years at Pitt. Yeah, and I mean, I don't, I don't really know. Like, I'm really interested to see what happens with Pickett in year two if he's able to progress all summer. They were basically saying Malik Willis is going to be off this roster, but I guess he's safe now. Um, Apparently, he's rebounded and he's looked a lot better. Um, yeah, I and and Mario makes another good point here is that. I think the hard part is the narrative of quarterbacks has shifted also is that because you look back, what was the what was the constant narrative that people would say? You want to do the Rodgers method, which was Aaron Rodgers came in and he didn't play until his like, what, fourth year, fifth year, uh, because he was behind Favre. You get a mm-hmm. really top tier quarterback and you let them sit for a year or two before you actually throw them in the fire and even fucking Mahomes. Mahomes he had a year. Ha- he, he he literally started week 17 of his rookie season and that was it. Uh cuz Alex Smith was there and and was a relatively good quarterback for them. So the fact like everyone kind of expects that instant gratification now because even like that year Deshaun Watson came in and was actually really good off the bat for the Texans. Um there's there's a bias sometimes where like and even now like Joe Burrow, he comes in his year 1. He's fucking great. Now everyone expects every single quarterback to walk in and be a top tier guy. And it's like, well, you gotta, gotta give him time. Yeah. And I think too, like, I think we go through this every couple of years where there are guys that are clearly generational talents that can start right away. And then we go through lulls too. And last year was kind of a lull as well, where it's Pickett, Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, Matt Coral. Bailey Zappi, Howell. Um, the fact that Howell went after Zappi is fucking crazy to me. Yeah. And then Skylar Thompson, Brock Purdy, and then Chris Aladakun. I don't know. South Dakota State. I don't think he's with the team anymore. Like, no. this is that was clearly a draft class. Like, all these guys need to sit and just yeah. be patient. Ritter got to play because Mariota was so bad. And um, didn't play as early as enough as, as I would have hoped. I would agree with that. But I mean, a lot of those guys, like some of these guys are going to work out. Probably most of them won't. Um, I would guarantee like 80% of them will be back backups. Brock Purdy's in there too, but he has. Oh yeah. 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 That's true. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I, I'm actually, we'll, we'll get, we're going to do some sleepers bust and breakouts um, today for fantasy since uh, 
you know, we're kind of hitting that last week before everyone kind of gets their last few, you know, drafts in. Uh, but I'm actually kind of high on Pickett this year. Uh, I think year two in this system. I don't love Matt Can. I think Matt Canada is the offense coordinator. I don't really love the system. Um, but yeah, if you look around him though, I mean, between Deontay Johnson, between um, year two of George Pickens, who I think could be a legitimate superstar if he if he keeps himself uh, on the right track. Um, Harris in the backfield, offensive line. They did add uh, a piece in the draft to a tackle. There's there's something there, I think. And then uh, Pat Fryer moved the tight end. I think he's got enough weapons. Um, I just need to see that development. But I, I liked Pickett coming out. I just was not willing to take a top 10 pick on a guy who's already 24 years old and, has and again, doesn't have a lean arm strength. Just because I wouldn't draft him like for my team doesn't mean I don't think he has a, a potential uh, fantasy ceiling. Yeah, I, Pickett is an interesting one because he's definitely a guy who can play. It's just like, what is his ceiling? And yeah, they have some interesting pieces in Pittsburgh. I just don't know if it's enough for that division right now because you have the Bengals, you have the Browns who are an interesting group right now. You don't really know what you're going to get with them. And then mm-hmm. the Ravens with Lamar Jackson coming back and they've clearly reloaded, at least on the offensive side. Like, I feel like... I feel like the Steelers team this year is going to be better than the Steelers team of last year, but that whole division has also gotten better too. And that whole conference has kind of continued to grow and progress. Like chiefs are still there. Bills are still there. Jets have some new pieces with Aaron Rodgers there as well. Um, Mario thinks that the Ravens are might, are going to be a bust might be a boomer bust kind of team really just given like, Odell Beckham has not played a ton um, and it's a whole bunch of new moving parts on that team as well. I don't really know much about the defense and I don't think much has changed really. The defense is the problem, honestly, arguably corner being their biggest problem. Um, And also like I was surprised the Giants defensive coordinator now is Wink Martindale, who was there for the last five years. And if you look at a lot of the major metrics over when his tenure the Ravens were number one in most of those categories. Yeah. Uh, but they lost a lot of guys. A lot of guys got older. And I just I I'm starting to look at it and I'm like, I just don't see what is gonna put them over the top. Um, but I mean, between a lot of what they have, they did they did add Zay Flowers in the draft, they did get Odell Beckham, Rashad Bateman, if he can stay healthy, showed a lot of talent last year. Um it's a lot of question marks, and obviously Mark Andrews. I like um, I like him a lot. They got Charlie Kohler, who I uh, another tight end who played pretty well last. He was the leading receiver last night. They have a couple really interesting options, uh, and I love them. I am a Lamar Jackson uh, stand, so I, I I think they can, but it's their that defense has let them down uh, a lot over the last few years. So I, I think that's going to be a big major major hurdle for them. Yeah, it's definitely not the same team from like the twenty tens. No, no, a lot of those guys are gone, or they or they've traded them away. And some of these guys too, I'm just looking at like they're kind of in the back end of their career at this point on defense. So yeah, again, it'll be interesting to see for them. But I mean, that entire AFC North, I think it's, I think it's the Bengals to lose at this point. So I think they just they're too loaded at this at this juncture. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. All right. Good. I'm glad that we agree. Um, let's get into the sleeper component. So you wanted to do like sleepers, busts, and uh, breakouts. Else? Breakouts. Okay. And so to, to give context to anybody, sleeper essentially is a guy that we think is going to outperform uh, his ADP. You know, so like if he ends up going in the fifth round, you think he has potential to be a first round pick, like first round value. That would be what I would consider like a sleeper or just like really kind of well above their ADP. Um, breakout guy who's relatively new to the scene or like just really hasn't done anything that will all of a sudden kind of just hit and a bus. That's pretty simple. Um, guy who will just be a complete waste, especially uh, specifically in the, in the first few rounds. Because you were you were talking about one uh, the other day, but I figure uh, do you want to do you want to start with anywhere? Do you want to start with the running back and and talk about your bust? Yeah, I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be a bust, and the reason why I say that is uh, we had talked about this a little bit last week too, so I'm not really saying anything new here, but I find it really really interesting and alarming all the same time that the Colts are like, Hey, Jonathan Taylor, if you want to get traded, you go out and find a trade. Um, and that puts the onus on Taylor to do a couple of things. One, go out and find somebody who he wants to play for, who's willing to trade for him, but also to somebody who's also willing to pay him another contract cycle. And I don't know, man. I, I feel like when teams do that, like, yeah, go out and, you know, find yourself a trade and we'll see what happens. That's like, they know this guy is done. And they're like, we know no one's going to want this guy. So let's just like, I think it's let's also put the leverage. ball in his court. Yeah. It's leverage too, right? Because like they, they, they know that essentially no one's going to give up a first round pick for him and then also give him. 20 plus million dollars a year it's just not going to happen mario was saying dalvin cook i yeah i mean that that he, his shoulder was like hanging on by a thread last year uh so it, you know it's one of those things that like it's just so tough because jonathan taylor really is so good and i think actually sitting out the preseason kind of is a benefit to him he's you know not that he was going to play much anyway but he is keeping himself fresh but the uncertainty of everything, unless he ends up getting traded to Miami tomorrow, I don't really see a path other than, uh, you know, like, cause you know, he also could end up on like the Texans or something, you know, that like, it just uh, doesn't offer him anything really. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm tough on Jonathan Taylor because I was one of those guys that was worried about him coming out. He had almost had a thousand career carries at Wisconsin. Um, anytime a guy comes in with that, much usage i already worry that they're two or three years away from burnout running back there's been a lot of conversations about it but like i don't know as far as from a fantasy perspective it really depends on where you end up where he ends up going because mm -hmm. he is one of those guys that to me could very go from go quickly go from bust to like steal because if you're getting jonathan taylor in the fourth round which i have seen and then all of a sudden he's back to, you know, 2022, the 2021 Jonathan Taylor. It it could very quickly shift. So, but I, I do understand where you're coming from though, because he is a scary, scary pick this year. Yeah. I mean, I, a lot of people 
like pushed their money into the table last year to get him and it did not work out for them. I, I wish there was a metric to look at this, but I don't remember a lot of guys who were like, like, like clear cut number one pick in a fantasy draft, like recouping any of that value later on. I, I mean, he's I, a year older, more injuries. He, he's also only like 24. So the, that's the one thing that you can kind of pull your hat on is that he's, he is a younger guy, but it's hard once those injuries start happening. They they start piling because they, they keep happening after right. that too. To to give context, also, um, Jonathan Taylor was the unanimous number one pick last year. And Tom, do you know where he finished last year amongst running backs? Is a PPR scoring? Take a wild guess. Like maybe like forty fifth or something like that. Not far off. Uh, thirty three. Our running back thirty three. He was beaten out by. Um, the running back 32 is Latavius Murray. Who's like so, 800 fucking right. years old. Yeah, so. to give you context. Even like guys like Jeff Wilson, Tyler Algier, uh, Antonio Gibson, Cordell or Patterson, all these guys uh, beat him out. Cordell Patterson, who's not even an actual running back, by the way. Got yeah, drafted a, as a wide a, receiver. Yeah, that did better than him. It's it's so funny to me. Um, but yeah, so it's it's pretty funny to see. I do, I do agree with you there. I'm going to shift. I'm going to go to one of your guys, um, and I'm going to go with Kenny Walker the third for the Seattle Seahawks. And he makes me nervous, aside from the fact that he was dealing with some injuries last year. I know he had, he had 1,200 scrimmage yards last year. He had nine touchdowns, and he was a runner-up for offensive rookie of the year. So you say to yourself, like, why am I down on Kenny Walker Jr.? Well, his name is Zach Charbonnet. The Seattle Seahawks are one of the weirdest drafting teams ever. Sometimes it works out for them, but then sometimes they do things that just befuddle me because Charbonnet is not a very different player than uh, Ken Walker Jr. is. Like, they're not super different, right? But when I look at it, I say to myself, Charbonnet has better receiving chops. And then also on top of that, he's got more three-down back ability as a blocker. But we also have to take into context here is that they also drafted a Jackson Smith and Jigba in the first round. So now now he did, by the way, he is having a, a surgery uh, today, but like I expect that he'll be ready for the season. The thing is, now you have to compete with not only real competition, a second, another second-round running back into the mix that can do th certain things that you can't, but now also they spent a first round pick on a slot receiver. So you can expect that they're going to throw the ball a lot. So I think when you just think about the amount of touches that he got last year, I don't think he's going to exceed that. And I think because of his performance last year, people are going to expect that he's going to take that next step. I don't think he's going to, I think I, I whether or not it's a skill issue or if it's like, a, you know, the fact that they're just not going to give him the touches I just don't see enough meat on the bone there to draft him in the top three, four rounds, you know? Hmm. Yeah. So it, it's, it's just tough for me with Kenny, Kenny Walker. Cause like, again, I like the player, but it's sometimes it's not whether you like the guy or not. It's like just the opportunities. Yeah. Especially with a guy like Charbonnet being there ready to go with a lot of excitement around him. It's just going to be really complicated. Um, and I think Walker too was hurt at the start of last year too. I might be wrong about that, but 
get banged up a little bit as well. So it'll be really interesting to see how that goes um, for him. I, I wanted to bring another bust to the table as well. And I have some serious reservations about Rashad Penny. And the reason why is because he was really up and down with Seattle. He, two years ago, he had like a nice little breakout, but didn't break a thousand yards. Last year, he was a guy who was looking to have that breakout year, got hurt, missed the rest of the season. Kenny Walker was able to come up and um, cover that for the rest of them. Um, but now he's on Philadelphia and they have like three or four other running backs there. And I feel like if Penny gets hurt or gets slowed by like a, a nagging injury, then he's just going to get like dumped in the, the depth chart by all those guys like DeAndre Swift and Kenny Gainwell and all those other dudes that they have there. That's a really hyper-competitive situation in Philadelphia, and I feel like the one sign that any of those guys start to struggle, they're going to go – Sirianni's going to go to the next guy, and he's going to play the hot hand, and you need to fight your way back into the starting rotation or at least the, the maximum amount of reps. You're on mute there. I know I was. Uh, it's one of those teams too that unfortunately rotates their running backs so often that it's like I, it's, it, it's really hard to like gauge who's going to be the one that goes off, right? Because I think yeah. like last year some people kind of felt like Kenny Gainwell might take a bigger chunk of it, and then Miles Sanders just ends up being the bell cow. Um, with Swift, he's never really been able to stay healthy, but neither is Rashad Penny. So it's mm -hmm. like you could end up drafting both of those guys and then end up getting stuck with, you know, nothing. So And all you really need, like from a team's perspective, all you need is these guys to play like a minimum of like six games. Yeah. Like that's what they need. But I need somebody who's going to be able to play 14 weeks and be good for all of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um so, for me, um, that was a sleeper for you? That was a bust for me. Oh, it was a bust. Okay. So, Taylor and Penny were... Taylor and Penny. I threw another one in there. Okay. Yeah. So, I'm going to go with my running back sleeper. And actually, Mario already kind of picked it. Um, I have him in the keeper league uh, for a relatively late round pick. And I'm going to hold on to him. And it's Alexander Madison. Um, so... With Dalvin Cook uh, now gone in Minnesota, it leaves a pretty sizable void. Now, Madison over the last two years has not been exceptional. Um, he's been under four yards per carry. Fantasy-wise, he's pretty reliable because of receptions and things like that. But it's uh it, you know, he just has not he, he's not been given a really full palette yet. This is the year. Now, there are some things that do make me nervous on that team. Uh, for example, Ty Chandler, um, the uh, uh, the second-year guy out of North Carolina. Um, and then they drafted, uh, I believe, uh, McBride this year in the seventh round. So there's a couple guys that I think could end up stealing the job from him. But he's going to get at least the starter treatment right away. Now... This is going to heavily depend on where you get him in the draft, right? Mm -hmm. 
because I don't think his ADP is going to be super crazy. But if you end up getting him in the mid rounds, the anywhere from five to seven, and he's got top 10 uh, potential. I mean, he could be a top 10 running back at the end of the day. So if, if you take more of a zero running back approach and end up going for a guy that ultimately is like, you know, a wide receiver in the first round and maybe a quarterback and a tight end early, and you're kind of sitting there in the little bit of the mid rounds with no running backs, Madison is about as close as you're going to get to a guy that could end up putting up top 10 numbers, uh, but not getting in the first round. Yeah. Yeah, I had him on my team last year because I had him handcuffed with uh, Dalvin Cook. And Cook yeah. missed a couple games last year, and Madison came out, and he was solid. I mean, he did exactly what he needed to do, scored me points when I needed him, scored touchdowns. Um, and I think he's going to get a little bit of a longer leash just because he's been with that team a little bit longer, and he knows the system. Certainly, he's shown that he can be a valuable player for them. So... I, I like that one. I'm always a little nervous about those guys that like the number one running back leaves and it's like, okay, well I'm still here. So I guess I'm the starter, but he's one, I think he's got the size and physicality to, uh, to bring a little oomph to that offense. Um, so I'm going to go with my sleeper and I think I had mentioned him last week as well. I don't know why people don't like Isaiah Pacheco. I think that he is going to be the guy who really changes that offense and makes it a little bit more less should rephrase that. It's going to take a lot of pressure off of Patrick Mahomes of having to do all the work. And we saw even at the end of last year, Mahomes started to get hurt in the playoff game. Pacheco replaced Clyde Edwards Hilaire mid like towards the end of the season. And Edwards Hilaire became like a nobody. He went into witness protection right after that. Pacheco ended the year with 830 rushing yards. He did really, he put up some pretty interesting numbers there, five touchdowns, and he only played in 12, or he played in all 17 games, so only 170 touches. You give him like 220 or 240, I think that he could be a guy that people want to go after a little bit. Um, especially too at the top of the draft that's so choked with guys that there's like three or four young guys up there and then mm. a bunch of guys that have been there for a while. So you got folks like Derrick Henry up there. Saquon is up there. Taylor, Josh Jacobs is up there too. He's signed, right? No, not as yet. So people are just going to be drafting him, you know, with the hope that he's going to be there. Cool. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see like who starts to fall off in that group, but I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be a riser and he's going to be in the top 10 of running backs by the end of the year. I agree. Um, okay. So we did running backs. Who are we doing now? Uh, we're just going to pause for one second. If that's cool. Yeah, no worries. Thank you.
<laughs> and we're back here. Sorry about that. Technical difficulties. Okay. So uh, what we, we, we're going to finish, uh, we're going to finish running back and we're going to do uh, breakouts. So as far as breakout is concerned, um, it's, you know, pretty much a guy who's kind of on the bubble um, or, you know, and this is typically going to be a young guy. So for me, my running back breakout is going to be uh, Damian Pierce. So Damian Pierce was, that was guy... fine. Can't <laughs> well, uh, now listen, we can, we can, we can sing the praises of Damian Pierce here because he was a guy that I loved coming out last year. He was, he played at the university of Florida, didn't get a lot of uh, run there which obviously pissed me off because that whole, that whole Florida team, uh, that's why like, I don't really judge. Like, I didn't judge Anthony Richardson as hard because like, again, the, the, the coaching staff there is just on another level. Um, so Pierce kind of snuck up on people and he really ended up having such an insanely good season. Now he was the, the, the sad part for Pierce was that his ADP wasn't really like low enough for him to be kind of a steal, you know? But uh, he just had such a really solid season. And now, I mean, you look at this Texans team with Stroud there, a couple other people. I think there's a real shot that he could end up having a potential top 10 running back season. But, you know, his ADP, I don't know where his ADP is this year, but he's most likely going to be a, a pretty much a, some, I guess, a popular pick in the, in the early mid rounds. Yeah, I really liked Damian Pierce, too, last year, and I was really hoping to be able to draft him. Didn't work out. Um, but I think there's a lot of pieces that are just really set up for that for him to be successful there. And I think Stroud has been declared the, the starter for yeah. week one, right? Okay. Yeah. So Rookie quarterback's going to dump the ball off, and he has some opportunity. 30 of 39. Um, on on receptions, 165 yards, and a receiving touchdown. So, I think there's a real chance he could potentially maybe double those uh, those targets. Yeah. So, I mean, I always I always like guys that are built like him. Yeah. Especially too, because they can take kind of the they can take the physicality of the season and and excel. Yeah. Um, for me, what I'm looking at is just had his name here and fucking lost it. Um, I think Michael Carter from the Jets has an opportunity to really kind of set himself apart from both Dalvin Cook and uh, Brees Hall. Brees Hall coming back from injury. Um, Dalvin Cook has had a history of injuries. Yeah. And I don't know how much they're going to lean on him, but I think Michael Carter is a really intriguing guy because he was somebody that people had their eyes on when he was coming out of North Carolina. Um, he's had a couple up and down seasons. First season, four touchdowns, 639 rushing yards. Last year, um, three touchdowns, 400 yards on the ground. But the interesting part is the – if they use him in the passing game more, I think they have some real opportunities there. And I I think he's a breakout because with Brees Hall coming back from a serious leg injury and Dalvin Cook kind of being all over the place, I think this sets him up nicely to be successful moving forward. Yeah, I, I and I, I wasn't I wasn't exactly 
convinced that he was out of the rotation anyway like i i assume that they're not going to want they like i think the jets are are obviously thinking um playoffs right so like the idea of keeping the trying to keep these guys fresh and i think there's a legitimate concern that they don't want to bring Brees hall back too quickly and end up getting mm-hmm. him hurt so dalvin cook kind of becomes that's why i'm worried about Brees hall's like overall like numbers this year what is it going to really be because now with I think I think if anything those two are going to kind of clash together but I don't think it affects Michael Carter really all that much I think if anything he's his role is going to remain the same and he's still going to get usage so um there's 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 really legitimate like he's one of those guys that could end up going into double digit rounds that like you're kind of kicking yourself over not taking later on and all of a sudden like man I probably should have just taken him in the ninth round and called it a day and but like and and even as just worst case, like a legit handcuff, you know, to uh, one of those guys, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, between last year, you remember last year, Dalvin Cook's shoulder, he played through it. Good God, God bless him, man. He he played through that entire uh, injury. But and then Brees just coming off the ACL. If you've seen anything with these ACLs, now his ACL wasn't as bad. He didn't have like any PCL or MCL tears with it. Um, so he should rebound and he's only like 22 years old. So typically those are more likely to come back from it, but you just never know. Yeah. How do you feel about Cam Akers? Like he's had such like a weird career in LA where he went from a guy who was drafted pretty high. They were talking about cutting him Mm -hmm. and the last like six or seven weeks of last season Mm -hmm. really showed like he there is there is some potential there with him. Like last year, 188 carries, 786 yards, seven touchdowns. Yeah. Um, and he, I don't know. Like I was gonna meant I was gonna say him, but I wasn't sure what that situation with that team looked like. And frankly, with the whole situation with Matt Stafford, they can't throw to Cooper Cup every single fucking time. So they can try. They will certainly try. <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. Um, the the with the Rams, I think the anticipation is that they're going to be bad. I think that's yeah. that's the anticipation. But the benefit of that is that you still are going to score, right? You may not score a lot, but there will be scoring opportunities. And the one thing that you can kind of bet on is that Sean McVay, unlike most coaches nowadays, likes one running back and tends tends to give them the majority of the work. So, you know, to where like with Kansas city, it's going to be more tough. Right. Because like, I love Pacheco, but like, you do have to worry about Jarek McKinnon. You know, he is going to get his numbers and Clyde Edwards, you know, maybe, maybe he has a rebound year. So you do have to worry about some stuff, but with this, I mean, Kyron Williams didn't really impress when he had the opportunities last year, Zach Evans, sixth rounder out of Ole Miss, um, Ronnie Rivers, not really worrying me. Um, so I, I think if anything, Cam Akers is pretty a, pretty a safe bet, but it's going to come down to does Stafford stay healthy? Does Cooper Cup stay healthy? And like Joe Noteboom, their left tackle, I think he's been dealing with some injuries. Can that offense stay healthy enough to be able to put up points? Because they may not be a good team. But they could score some points, and I fa- I have to factor that Cam Akers is a probably a pretty good bet to if if not match those numbers, improve those numbers because also yeah you did make, bring up a great point about him 
he was very much in the doghouse in the beginning of the year, and they they were not using him. And he finally he finally kind of settled in as running back one. So um, there there is I, I think I think Cam Akers has real uh, legitimate shot, but like the injuries also kind of make me a little bit nervous about it. Yeah, yeah, that's a an issue there too. But the one thing I say that will be in his favor is this is an opportunity for both the player and the team to get something out of this, where this is a contract year for Cam Akers. So he's going to want to get paid after this. And also too, the Rams are probably not going to re-sign him unless like there's an extenuating circumstance. So I would imagine they're going to do what you said, Q, and they're going to ride him to the ground. So he might have a big year. He might get hurt in week one. We don't know. He's, he is the classic like boomer bust guy. And he, was, he was running back 34 last year, uh, right behind Jonathan Taylor. I mean, again, you know, not not the worst. Um, that's essentially a flex, like a kind of a flex option. Yep. I, I, I don't see why he can be a running back too this year. Yeah. He's um he's currently ranked 15. Um okay, so that's running back two. Yeah, it's high it's a high end running back too. So the projections are pretty high uh for Cam Akers. So I guess not so. bad. Yeah. All right. What do we got next? All right, well, let's go to quarterback because quarterbacks are fun. Um so I figure we can go with if you want to start with the bust and call me a hater if you want. That's fine. I don't care. I'm going with Dak Prescott. Okay. Are you looking for people to be upset here? <laughs> well, I mean, like, I think there's a legitimate reason to be concerned um, about Dak Prescott because we've seen over the last few years, his kind of started slipping a little bit. And, like, I know in 2021 he had the 37 touchdowns. But last year, 23-15 and 15 was his touchdown to interceptions. He only had 2,800 passing yards in 12 games. And I they, I know they added Brandon Cooks, and that's going to obviously help him. But, you know, even – I know losing Zeke Elliott is not, like, the worst thing ever, right, because it's Zeke Elliott at this point. But I think there is an added uh, pass protection thing that he did bring to the table and his offensive line is getting older. You know, Tyron Smith has not been the guy that he has been over the last few years. Yeah. Zach Martin just got paid. God bless him. But like he is in his thirties. So like they, and they haven't really replenished the, uh, the high end. you know, I like Tyler Smith, but I, I'm just, I'm not sure if he's, you know, that, that level. Um, but then you take into account the biggest reason why I think he's going to have a bust year is Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore is gone. So, I mean, I, I I can't understand why the Dallas Cowboys thought that firing Kellen Moore and letting Mike McCarthy continue to, you know, have control of this offense was a smart move. And then they end up hiring Brian, Brian Schottenheimer, who has been a million places and has never really ever had a ton of success as an offensive coordinator. All of these things. And then Mike McCarthy saying we need to run the ball more. I, I just don't see how Dak, Dak Prescott ends up having the season that I think people are going to expect him to have. He's Because he's considered widely by most people to be a, 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 tie, you know, a QB1, potentially a mid to high QB1. So that you're talking about anywhere from like one to like eight. As far as QB is concerned, like, I don't think uh, maybe, maybe I think he's a high end QB two at this point. So like 
anywhere from the 12 to 15 range. Yeah, the touchdowns last year, I know you only played in 12 games, were lower than expected. 15 interceptions in 12 games, though. Yeah, yeah, not good. Um, I don't know, man. And, I mean, even, like, the, the passing yardage is, like, way down, too. So, yeah. like, 16 games in 2021, 4,400 yards. I know that's kind of, like, his career year. Last year, 2,800. Like, what happened there? And I think you hit the nail right on the head, and that's why I made that face. Like, Brian Schottenhammer, like, in the age of, like, really forward-thinking, like, offensive coordinators, like, this is the guy you go out and get. Like, a guy who has been with, like, every team under the sun and has not been good everywhere he's been. Dak Prescott was QB 18 last year, only four points ahead of Marcus Mariota at QB 19. And, and they have a hard schedule this year, too. Like – it, it's going to be easy. It's going to be a challenge for him. So yeah. I think that's more than fair. Honestly, I just, I think every year you always go in with cowboy hype, right? Like, like this team is really good. And for the one thing I will say the Cowboys do well is they do a really good job of like drafting talent um, and finding guys and being able to get the best out of them. But I really feel like this is a year where this is like a, this is a make or break year for Mike McCarthy. Yeah. And it feels like it's going to be a break year. I, I agree. I think, I think you're going to look at potentially cleaning house next year. And you know, who's going to be back. Don't you? Jason Garrett. <laughs> I love that. I would. Oh God. I love that. Yeah. I, that um, would be like, like the moment. The mana from heaven. If that yeah. <laughs> God, I need that to happen. Bring him back. Yeah, I want to see that torture scene happen. God, it would so be just badly. glorious. Um, my bust, and I, don't, I honestly don't even know if this is one like that's fair. It's okay. Tua. Like, yeah, I, I say that Tua is going to be a bust. He's a really good quarterback, but like the consistency of staying on the field is going to be a big issue for me. He's already a relatively he on fantasy pros website, he's six one, two hundred and twenty-seven pounds. I don't believe that at all. Um no. and he's never played a full season. Granted, the first his rookie year, they were kind of bouncing back and forth between him and other people. But yeah, the the concussion stuff is really problematic. The like the injury bug has seemed to follow him since Alabama. There's a ton of talent there. That team has a ton of talent, but and I don't wish this on anybody, but I think he gets injured at some point this year and kind of derails that team. And I think next year, when this season ends, they're going to be looking for another quarterback. QB 15 last year, um, with all the missed games, uh, that offense is unbelievable. I love Mike McDaniel. Um, he's got all the potential in the world because he does have a pretty good arm for a guy who's a little bit smaller, but he's not the most mobile guy, which hurts him. Um yeah, I just I can't see a real path here for for Tua because it's not again it's not the talent level. It's just that like is he going to be able to withstand the beating that you take as a quarterback in the NFL? And I just don't know. And again, he I think if I think everybody's like one concussion potential concussion away from being retired, but like he's had so many of them at this point that like I think he is legitimately like one even like a mild concussion away from at least having to consider to retire so it's like that scene from not another team movie where they have the concussion counter 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, dude. Like, how many times he had what three last year that were like bad? Well, there was the one that they like misdiagnosed or they just right. ignored. Yeah. Um, and they were like, "Yeah, you're fine. Hey, when you're on the plane, just like watch TV and then go to sleep. Like all the things that you're not supposed to fucking do when you have a concussion." Yeah, it's crazy. So, I see where you're going with that, though. I, I just he makes me nervous. But if he stays healthy, I mean, it's, it's he he's he's got a perfect opportunity. That offense is really good. Yeah, I think they were. The fact that Tyreek Hill is on that team just changes the dynamic. Like that could be like the fastest running back wide receiver, like setup that the NFL has seen in a very long time. Those dudes just run four threes. Like it's nobody's business. So they just need somebody to stay. They just need somebody to like throw it to them. And mm. Tua might not be that guy. Yeah, I agree. Well, okay. So let's go with, breakout next and or actually i don't know let's go yeah uh you know actually let's go with us let's go with sleepers next for quarterbacks and i'm gonna start with you want to guess who i'm going with sam Howell. no you ruined my life (laughs) daniel jones as a sleeper qb9 from last year and that's only with 15 passing touchdowns Adding Paris Campbell, adding Jalen Hyatt, uh, bringing back Hodgins, getting Darren Waller. I expect the passing game offense to be more robust, and I expect that there's uh, going to be more passing, deep passing opportunities for him. So if he even goes from 15 passing touchdowns to 25 while keep maintaining, you know, a decent running, uh, he could. He could flirt with top five uh, fantasy QB number. And he's not going to be a top five quarterback. Don't don't mistake that. But from a fantasy perspective and like from a ADP level, I venture to guess that he's probably being pretty disrespected and probably not being drafted anywhere near the top eight or nine rounds. What was his um, – what did his like – what was the data around him once like – they flipped into like week 12 or 13 because remind me, uh, Isaiah Hodgins getting there. What did that do for his like fantasy numbers after that? Cause I feel like once Hodgins got to the team, everything really clicked for Jones. And now you get a yeah. full season to that. Yeah, no, he, he, his, if you like, so like I, you know, wa- just watching Daniel Jones, I, I feel bad for Daniel Jones because too many times I think he really didn't get um, a real shot. And I think, like, look, I, I didn't love the pick, and that made me very mad. And all that's well and fine. I got over it because, like, I have to. He's my, he's the QB of my team. But the constant changing and then sticking him with Jason Garrett and then ultimately just pushing him in a position where ultimately he really had, like, really no opportunities to really find a good system to build within. Now with Brian Dable, you at least feel pretty confident about the fact that give him time in this new system. There's actually a legitimate shot there, right? Like too many times, like I was like, everyone's like, we want any continuity with Jason Garrett. And I was like, "I I don't think Jason Garrett has it in him to get whatever he needs to get out of him. Um, 
the back end of the of, of last year, I don't have the numbers, but I can tell you. Like, and, and honestly, I would argue the the minute game, the playoff game against Minnesota was maybe the best game I've seen him play. Yeah, so he really solid. did. Yeah, he really did save it. And you know, this past uh, preseason game, eight of nine, sixty-nine yards, passing touchdown, nice. one drive. Yeah, nice, one <laughs> drive, and they were like, "All right, we've seen enough." And like again, spreading the ball around, getting to Darren Waller, getting to Paris Campbell, Daniel Bellinger, who I'm. If we if we're not going to do tight ends, but if I was going to do a tight end, he is a sleeper because he's a guy that is not really getting a lot of attention because of Darren Waller, but he's going to be part of it. He's going to have a role, so. He's a guy that you're probably going to get in double-digit rounds who could have real potential value. Um, so I, I honestly, like, again, for Daniel Jones last year, he only had 15 passing touchdowns, right? Only had 3,200 uh, uh, passing yards. Only had five interceptions, though, um, out of 16 games. So when you just take into account with everything, right, with Daniel Jones, the running ability, 708 rushing yards, seven rushing touchdowns, I expect in the red zone, they're still going to use him as a rusher. So he may have less running rushing yards overall, but I don't think the rushing touchdowns are going to be too affected. But I also think that the passing touchdowns have a real opportunity to go like to inflate. So for a guy that you're probably not going to have to take super early, especially if you wait on quarterback, which I is usually my strategy, you could do a lot worse. Again, top 10 quarterback last year. I have something to say about Daniel Jones that I – it pains me to say, but if you if you remove his name and likeness from his stats, like if this was just a random person, right, like an anonymous quarterback, and you saw a guy who was kind of like middling for the first three years of his career and then puts up a career high in games played, quarterback rating, completions, attempts, passing percentage completion, um, career high in passing yards, and has seven touchdowns on the ground, anybody would take that person. And I think think a lot of the people who stay away from him think of Daniel Jones like Joe Fudge era. Yeah, and also like – That's not fair to him. The jokes – I think think like perception becomes reality, right, with Daniel Jones that like – Oh, he's young Eli, and they show that video of him running down the field wide open. He falls, and it's like I think it's just people just expect him to suck. And like a lot of stuff, I was like looking through Twitter because I always do when Daniel Jones has a good game, and like it was like I saw one Eagle fan wrote like my you know Daniel Jones is not supposed to be good. What the fuck is this? So it's like it's just interesting to see when people are like, oh, he's actually not terrible, and it's like yeah, he's not. Not telling you Daniel Jones is great, but like he's certainly not what I think a lot of his perception is. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's a good one right there. Um, I mean, I I don't want him to do well, but as a human, <laughs> I want him to do well. Yeah. Um, my sleeper is going to be, um, is going to be Derek Carr. Good. And I was torn between him in Jordan Love, but Jordan Love could probably fit into the breakout because just hasn't played enough. Um, ooh, e the Rids King over here. Um, I think Derek Carr is going to play well because a couple of reasons. One, he wants to show Vegas that they made a huge mistake dumping him to get fucking Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. What? But it is what it is. 
But I also think, too, being able to play with guys like Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, I guess. But there are still pieces there to be successful, and that defense is going to be ass. So I imagine that he's going to have to throw the ball a lot there. And for all the kind of jokes about Derek Carr, he is still a pretty productive quarterback. Um, I know that he's had his struggles last year, probably being one of them, but that whole team just kind of sucked ass. But I mean, he's been 217 touchdowns for his career, 99 picks. He's consistently a guy who's going to throw 4,000 yards for you. And I like him. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not a Derek Carr fan, um, but there is no doubt that Derek Carr throws a nice deep ball and I will get to Chris Olave eventually. Um, stop saying my fucking picks. So, <laughs> so, um, so I, I have no doubt that there's going to be some explosiveness. There's going to be some fantasy, even if the Saints are terrible and I expect them to be bad. They're still going to be one of those teams that you can comfortably draft guys from them because if anything, it's just going to be, you know, fourth quarter, they're down by three scores, tucking the ball down the field. So there's going to be potentials there. The other thing, too, that's interesting to point out is something I didn't consider was like, who is in the NFC South that's of note at this point? Like mm. that entire that entire division is way down right now. Yeah. Falcons are not good. Tampa Bay is in a clear rebuilding mode. Carolina has been in a rebuilding mode for the last couple of years. Um, I think this is an opportunity for him to kind of like go at some of these defenses. The only one that's like might be a challenge is probably Tampa. Yeah. But I mean, you're playing two games for each for both for three of those teams. You have a real opportunity to like, stunt on them a little bit. That's true. That's and their true. schedule is pretty lean as it is between like they're playing Houston, they're playing Indy. Um there's not a there's not a ton here. Minnesota's defense is not terrifying. Um and they also play Tennessee as well. So like there's yeah. there's definitely some meat on the bone there for him to be successful. I'm not saying that he's the guy that you go out and draft first. I'm not yeah. even He's not even the guy that you want to go out and draft, not even the quarterback you go out and draft first. But I think if you're looking for somebody you want to get some value out of, his name recognition, kind of like Daniel Jones, is down, and you can pick him up, and I think you'll feel comfortable. I'd feel more comfortable with him over Russell Wilson. I agree. I agree. And I was on the fucking Pony Express last year, and it went over a goddamn Mr. Mr. Unlimited. Oh. Unlimited. I said Broncos country, let's ride. And let's ride. Broncos wanted, country, let's ride. I wanted to get fucking like a disease that you get on Oregon Trail afterwards. Broncos country, you, you got cholera. You didn't <laughs> make it. Game over. Please. <laughs> All right. So uh, breakouts. Thanks a lot, Tom. Making this real fucking fun for me here. Jordan Love uh, is my breakout player at quarterback. Um, and I don't really have any data to parse here because he's thrown 83 fucking passing attempts in two years. So I don't really have anything I can say, sit here and tell you any re real legitimate reasons other than fucking vibes. Um, it, it is just vibes at this point that 
I look at Jordan Love, and every time I've seen him, he played the last, you know, he played that one real serious game last year, 14 to 21, a touchdown, no picks. He just looks confident. And like I've been watching him in the preseason. Yeah. He's the got a fucking look good. Really good. He's got a great arm. He's got the size. He's got the move, the movement and escapability and all of that. I, I just think that people are kind of burying the Packers here, and it just feels like it's a very premature thing. Um, and honestly, if again from a fantasy perspective, I'm keeping Jordan Love. I haven't keep really been keeping him for like I think it's like an eighth or ninth round. It's a super flex. It's a total steal. The reason why I'm so high on him is because if you look at the depth chart, there's nothing there. Sean Clifford is about what you get. Well, a pick that they yeah, you're saying not. <laughs> yeah. So for better or worse, unless they go out and get a Cam Newton in the middle of the season or something, I don't even think that works for them. It either. doesn't. It doesn't. They are they are stuck with Jordan Love this year for better or worse. So if anything, you are going to at least get many bites at the apple as possible. You're not worried that like if he sucks after two weeks, he, he's going to get the pull, right? So like because like we talked about Howell, right? There is a legitimate chance that if he struggles even for two or three weeks and, you know, they're worried about losing their jobs, they pull him and put Jacoby Brissett in because he's safer, quote unquote. Yeah, there is legitimate things to fear there. But like with with Jordan Love, there's just I I just he's going to be the guy. Yeah, I'm going to push back on um, Mario's comment here that they should have gotten Teddy Bridgewater to back up Jordan Love. Like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that only because I've seen Teddy Bridgewater so much in other places and it has not looked good. Um, whether it's injuries or just ineffectiveness, like I appreciate the fact that the Packers are going all in on Jordan Love to say like, Hey, we drafted this guy. Now let's see what we're going to get from him. If we suck. Oh no, we have to go draft one of these generational quarterbacks. Um, so yeah. I think too, it's it's nice to see a team that's confident in their decision, not kind of hedge their bets. Like I get why Washington did it with Brissett and Howell, but in some cases, other teams, like if you have three quarterbacks on your team that can start, you have none. And you're always like stuck in that analysis paralysis. But I think yeah. even the little bit that I've seen from Jordan Love, I know that like he started a handful of games it's last year. So of little, years. it's so were, little work. Yeah. That's the only downside is that it's just very little amount of stuff that we've seen right it's just that's the that's the worst part about it is is like i don't know how to gauge him because it's like he really hasn't played a lot Um, i mean they they the the packers felt good enough to draft him high enough when they had their franchise quarterback and he's got to be something there yeah he sat for two years so i mean if anything he's had the rogers treatment to an extent i mean i know it was a lot longer for rogers but like the Packers are also just one of those fucking teams that are so lucky. So I just it feels yeah. like they're he's gonna be good. Um, so again, again, it's just I'm going off vibes here. Like that's all I got for you. No, um, I think it's fair. Yeah. So I, I just I look at Jordan Love and I just think there's a real possibility there. Yeah, and I think Rogers kind of laid the groundwork with some of those rookie receivers they had last year. Romeo love, Dobbs being there, Romeo Christian Dobbs. Watson. I, yeah. I think there's like. There's some good stuff there, right? Drafted now. two very athletic tight ends in the in the draft too. Yep. So there's and with Jones and you know they they have really good backfield. So uh, I, I'm pretty confident. Yeah, I am too. Um, 
Mine is going to be, this might be controversial because he's been in the league for a while, uh, but my breakout is going to be Justin Fields. And um, yeah, I'm with you there. I, I, I think this is the time where the stuff starts to like come together for him. And not that it wasn't for the first two years, but I just don't think that team was set up around him. Like there was nobody offensively who could really help him. The, the coaching staff was not developed there to really help him. This is a team that was really having to be rebuilt from the ground up, but his numbers improved from year one to year two. And Every indication is that he's ready to make that jump. I just yeah. think they need the talent on the field to help him out. Having DJ Moore there is going to be huge. Frankly, I'm almost a little concerned the Panthers got rid of him hmm. because now they're kind of in like, eh, Adam Thielen's going to help us out. Like Adam Thielen's like 400 years old. Bob. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, but I mean, Fields has that ability to be an electric player. And we saw last year, he like, that team sucked, but he was the one at least going out there, putting the team on his back and winning the game with his legs because he knew that he wasn't going to be able to do anything with the receivers that he had. And their schedule is relatively easy too. They're playing Tampa. They're playing Vegas. um, They have Carolina. They have, they have some teams that they can beat and they have like a fucking lowly Arizona team at the end of the year too. So. I, I am one of the people that is very high on Justin Fields, but I am also preaching caution because there there is a legitimate possibility that he could be a bust only because everyone was talking about that preseason game he had where he had like three touchdowns. And then you look at the actual like a dot average depth of target and it was like screen passes that were turned into touchdowns. So I need to see a little bit more improvement. He's going to be good just off of the rushing, right? But for him to have that breakout season, I need to see the passing from him. And I need, it just needs to be a bit better. It can be, obviously. Um, but even that DJ Moore touchdown that he took to the house almost overthrew him on that uh, screen pass. So, like, I just need to see more stability. But I, but from even just from a rushing standpoint, he's going to be a top 10 guy. So it's just a matter of can he just take that opportunity with these new guys? Also, they had uh, gotten Chase Claypool last year. That was um, a mess. That did that not was work. a mess. Yeah, but but again, new year, whatever. The pick's done. It is what it is. Time to move on. See if he can contribute for you. So, I, I think there's definitely a possibility there for Justin Fields. It's just going to be putting it all together. Um, yeah, and, but I think and, I, can. and I hear you on that regard. I, I think caution is always good for guys like this. But yeah, I think the most important thing for him is consistency, and that's not what that team had last year. They could not get consistent, like stable hands on the football when he was throwing it to them. Stability with the offensive line. Like, I think they have to rebuild like his passing confidence too, to like say this person is open. If I throw it to them, they're going to be able to catch it. And I mean, Russell Wilson in his rookie year was a much more polished passer, but they were very, very like gentle with him when it came to like how he was involved in the passing game, they set things up real easy for him to be successful. If they just do that for fields, let him build that confidence. You can start to see like that, that true, like next level growth, probably midway through the season or at the end of the season. That's all it is. You just need to make sure these guys have the confidence and like emotional stability to be able to go out there and do it. I agree. 
I think Trevor Lawrence can also be put in this category of breakout because he ended up having like I I just I see him I don't know I just didn't I didn't pick him because I think I feel like it's a little bit more obvious that he's already kind of arrived. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. I didn't say it. I just think that like he has a legitimate so now now with Calvin Ridley and all these guys there he has a legit chance to be like a top tier guy. But for anybody who like thinks I'm leaving him out, no, he I think I just think he already kind of arrived. So I th- I think. Love and and um, Fields are more fringe than a guy like Trevor Lawrence at this point. Yeah, I mean he threw for four thousand yards last year. Exactly. I think he's, yeah. He's already he's already broken out. Agree. Agree. All right. Well, let's move to wide receiver. Um. So we'll start. Did with we the do bust. Do we do bust for quarterbacks? I can't remember. Didn't we? I don't think so. Oh wow, we may have missed that. Oh, oh no, no, we did. Yeah, I had Dak Prescott and. Oh, that's right. Never mind. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I didn't miss that. I just wanted to do it again to say Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> I mean, legitimately, I mean, he's been a bust his entire year. Other than those two years, he's been pretty much a bust. So, yeah. So, I'm going to go um, Michael Pittman Jr., a guy who I fucking love. Um, I, I really do love him. He's one of the better young receivers in the game. I just don't know what this offense, this passing game. I love Anthony Richardson, but like, I'm just not as optimistic that right off the bat, this passing game is going to be good. I think a lot of these games are going to be on the ground. I think Anthony Richardson, they're going to use him kind of like Jalen Hurts in year one, where it's pretty much just trying to, you know, just be a run first, run always team. And I just worry that Pittman's just not going to get the amount of targets that he's going to need to be, you know, the top tier receiver that he is. So um, Long term, I think there's a lot of potential there, and I think he's definitely a part of the solution uh, to Indianapolis becoming a good team. But I just think this season, like, I just can't justify drafting him super early. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is going to be like a Justin Fields, like more so kind of situation in Indianapolis, yeah. where they're it's going to be like a. Like they're going to rely a, a lot on Anthony Richardson to have to run around and and put in that hero ball. Stuff. Yeah, pretty much just win the game on your legs. Yeah, and I mean, I don't, I don't know how good that offensive line is either, and that dictates a lot. Of, but I mean, yeah. Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor, one can make the argument he either is not going to be there or he's not going to be the kind of player that he was years past. Yep, I agree. So you're already down talent at that position. And now you're hoping that your your rookie quarterback, who is not a great thrower in college, is going to be able to put it together in the span of three preseason games to go out there and like be consistent in that way. Yeah, he's he's Anthony Richardson's got an awesome arm. It's just the 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 actual technique throwing and like just being being able to complete at a at a decent clip, right? Like yeah. I think he's he might have a sub 60 completion percentage his first year. But I, I again, like it's kind of like jo- I think I look at him like I looked at Josh Allen, right? Like man, he makes some exciting plays, but my god, there are some really horrifying throws too. But like you saw the progression, the rapid progression 1 2 and 3, you know, his, his years in the NFL. I think by year three, Anthony Richardson could be a top 10 quarterback in this league, but I just think that you're going to have to be kind of patient in, in the beginning. So, yeah, I'm with you on that one. And, and this is not us like hating on him. I think it's just, I, he was my QB one this year. I love the, I love Anthony Richardson. So, yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, for me, my bust, 
I'm going to avoid somebody who um, is constantly injured because you should know I, better at this point. Yeah, injuries I like to stay away from. Cooper Cup is going to be my bust because I don't know how good that team is going to be. And the other guy that's on that team to catch footballs at the wide receiver position is Van Jefferson. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you're going to get with Matt Stafford. The team is kind of all over the place, clearly in a rebuilding mode. And they sold off like a lot of their draft picks to get guys for that Super Bowl run. If you're the only like reliable set of hands on that team and you have a great connection with the quarterback, defensive coordinators are going to just zoom in on him and they're going to play double coverage. They're going to chip him at the line. They're going to do a bunch of shit to just disrupt all of his routes. And I just feel like this is going to be a classic like tiger trapped in a cage situation where you have this tremendous talent that's on just a shit team. Like a good example would be like Larry Fitzgerald for all those years where he was in Arizona and you knew this guy was really, really good but he was only able to muster like 850 yards a year because there were the, the talent at quarterback was not there. Again, Stafford can come back and play really well, but we were also getting like reports that this was a career ending injury that he had last year too. And yeah. now he's going to come back. I, I don't necessarily, I don't think he's going to be the Matt Stafford of the Super Bowl run years or even like the Detroit years. I think this is going to be a very limited offense Cam Akers might do something. He might not. Talked about him being a boomer bust guy. I like Cooper Cup. I really do. I think he's got a tremendous story, but he's kind of stuck. And he's on, he's 30 now. He's not the 25-year-old he was. Hmm. I don't know. See, this is the problem for me, is that I, I, the only concern I have about Cooper Cup is injury. And it's because, like, you know, he was injured last year a little bit. And because of the fact that he's been – he's injured right now. But it's it's, not, it's nothing serious. But it's like it, – I think that's – my only concern is is that. Because Cooper Cup exclusively usually is like a slot guy. So the one good thing about Cooper Cup is that even on a bad team where he's the only top-tier co- guy – a lot of times teams don't like to put their top cornerback in the slot, right? Because it's just not usually where they're comfortable. So Cup to me is a guy that even if the Rams are god-awful, I just think that actually only benefits him because it means that he's just going to get absolutely peppered with targets. Also makes him a potential trade target midseason that a team like the Kansas City Chiefs could make a phone call and, and acquire Cooper Cup because the Rams are just going to rebuild. So you could have a situation where it starts out good because he's just getting pepper with targets and then ends up on a good team with a good quarterback. So I don't know. I I'm, I'm in on Cooper cup. I understand where you're coming from uh, fully, but I, I just, I, I don't have as, I, I think I'm just a little bit less concerned about Cooper cup. Okay. I mean, you're wrong, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's the beauty of fantasy, man. Um, it's it's good. It's good. It's an interesting one though. Um, so, okay, let's go with uh sleeper, uh, next. And for me, this was a tough one because I wanted to go with Calvin Ridley, but I don't know if Calvin Ridley is really a sleeper at this point. I would put him in there. You would. Okay. All right. Well then. Yeah. So I, I think 
taking a year off does, definitely makes it tough. But I'm not gonna, I'm not going to go with Calvin Ridley. I'm going to go with Chris Olave. And because I th- I don't think I think my lack of excitement for Derek Carr and the lack of excitement for the New Orleans Saints has kind of maybe hidden Chris Olave a little bit, which actually could stand to benefit you uh, in the draft. When I look at a guy like Olave, who was like the amount of like his like his average depth of target was insane. It was like every single play he was pretty much running down the field. I don't see a lot of like rock, like top tier talent on uh, that receiving core for the Saints either. I know Michael Thomas is back, but like how long until he ends up back on the fucking kind you know? And and he's and he's slant boy. That's all he does. He runs his little slants, and that's all he does. So. I, I'm not really concerned about that. I look at that, and the one thing that Derek Carr does do well is throw the ball down the field, right? Well, then that's perfect for Chris Olave because that's what his specialty is. I was – Tom, I had Chris Olave in, in mostly all my leagues, and I was fucking begging for them to take Andy Dalton out and put Jameis Winston in because even though yes. Jameis Winston, not a great quarterback, right, what does he do well? He fucking ball goes the ball down the field. Yeah, job wins, baby. So it's all I wanted because I look at Chris Olave and I see just real big potential. So for me, I I think this year, even if the Saints are terrible, I think Chris Olave has top 10 potential. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting that both him and Garrett Wilson went to Ohio State at the exact same time. And it feels like you could have swapped their positions in the draft and you're getting fantastic players. So like you very rarely see guys like that from the same institution, same position. And it's just like, you couldn't have gone wrong with either one of them. Yeah. Just beasts like fast. They can catch, they can run routes. Like they are carbon copies of each other in like the success pattern. Yep. Yeah. I'm 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 rooting for him to have a successful year because you want to see guys like that produce. Um, speaking of guys you want to see produce and do well, um, my sleeper is going to be Brandon Cooks, and he has been exiled on some shit teams for the last <laughs> couple of years. And I'm looking at his stats now, and my man is just like the model of consistency. Like he might be like uh, the best wide receiver that nobody has cared about just because he's been on teams that no one has paid attention to um, recently. Very unsexy. Very unsexy, but very, very good at what he does. And I think now that he's with a proper quarterback, he might be somebody that can help Dak Prescott not be the bust that you called him out to be. I don't necessarily know, but I mean, if you're able to put up a thousand yards in two of the three years that you're in Houston with the like rotation of goons that they had there, I think he's got a shot to at least do something similar in Dallas where there's a little bit more competency and skill and talent on the field. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, Brandon Cook's model consistency a guy who just, you know, and again, like I, I just because I think Dak Prescott's going to be a bust doesn't mean that I don't think there will be some explosiveness and and some and I, I just worry that they're going to try and run the ball too much um, and it will limit his opportunities and also just the interceptions, which is nothing to do with Brandon Cooks getting, you know, and also with having C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup there, he will. It's going to be tough to cover all of those guys. So Cooks, you know, one on one, it's not going to be a good day for the defense. So 
Uh, I'm with you there. Uh, switch to breakout. This is one of my favorite players in fantasy this year. Okay. One of my favorite, 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 favorite players. And I, it sucks that his ADP is going to be so high this year because I don't think I'm going to be able to get him um, in a lot of areas. Amon Ra St. Brown. Yeah, man. I just, this is, this is, this guy, man. I love where he's going. Last year, Tom, wide receiver seven. Wide receiver seven for a guy who is mainly a slot receiver, which again, like I said, when it comes to like Cooper Cup, I don't really worry about like the, the the big slots they refer to them as, like Cooper Cup and him, because like it just doesn't really matter who's playing quarterback. They just are going to have those opportunities. Jared Goff also had a kind of a sneaky good year last year. I think it was QB 10. Um, last year, 106 receptions on 146 targets. He catches mainly everything that's thrown at him. 1,100 yards, six touchdowns. So the if he had just had maybe a few more touchdowns, he's bordering on top five territory, 23 years old. This is the moment for him. And, like, the, the Lions, honestly, I think have, like, there, there's a lot of expectations there. So everyone's going to have to kind of up, up, up their game. But in his rookie season, too, by the way, as, like, a fourth-round pick, 912 yards. He had 90 catches in his rookie year and five touchdowns. So – it's not much of a main like he didn't have like a sophomore breakout. It was just like a nice steady increase from his rookie season. Yep. This is the year I feel like he's did like you're gonna talk about him as an elite wide receiver after this season. Yeah. It's um it'll be really interesting to see how he ends up. Um just a talented guy, really. I got nothing more to say. I think you covered that all. Um the one that I will say for me, and I, I'm kind of going out on a limb here in talking about a rookie, Quentin Johnston um, from TCU with the Chargers now. This guy really, really just put on a show during the, the college football playoff last year. I, like six foot four, 215 pounds, can run like crazy coupled up with Justin Herbert. I'll tell you what, man, I could very easily see him starting at the end of the year and yeah. being an elite player just because the guy that I was concerned about was um, the guy that I was concerned about was uh, Keenan Allen always getting hurt. Yeah. And then Mike Williams always getting hurt too. Inconsistency with Mike Williams too. Exactly. This guy could be very easily slotted in at a number one position. Six foot four, like jump balls, all his. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, like it's risky to go rookie early, but like I think this is a guy who can really just put on a fucking show and having Justin Herbert throw into him. I think this could be a really good add to your team this year. You don't need to go out and draft him early. He'll be there. But I think this is like, if you're in like a dynasty league too, this is also a guy you want to hang on to. I, I, I think that's actually the benefit though, right? Right, Tom, is like that because of the fact that he's a rookie is a lot of times this is where you end up getting a guy way later than like the talent level says, right? Like, you know, like if you're in, if you were in a keeper league or something like that and you drafted Justin Jefferson in his rookie season in like the double-digit rounds, 
and now all of a sudden he's literally the number one pick in the draft for most people, you're you're doing great, right? So Quentin Johnston, I loved him at TCU, playing with Max Duggan. Um, there's some things to his game that I was not a huge fan of. That's why I was kind of hoping the Giants would avoid him, and uh, he obviously got drafted a couple of picks before they ended up going. Um, he he, although is the, the the long arms, and I think that was my biggest problem with him is that he was so big and he he had the, like the crazy long arms, and he just didn't seem like he he played more like a slot receiver than anything else. You know, he was more of like a like a screen guy more than like a physical physical guy but he's but like then like at the combine and everything he was showing off that he can do it so it may be that they, that was all of that all that was asked of him at tcu and he wasn't asked to do those things but he can do it so those are the guys that are most dangerous right because it's like you expected like oh he can't do it and then all of a sudden you realize oh he was just never asked to do it yeah so now all of a sudden he gets in the nfl and he's just destroying people so um, I look at Quinn Johnson. I was a, I, I, he he is a scary looking dude when you actually put him, and especially with Herbert, with Keenan Allen, with Mike Williams. Which, by the way, Mike Williams was on my list to be a bust because, like, from his ADP and I can't wait any longer, right? No, it's just it's just over and over again every single year with him. So um, it's just there's so many good games, and then there's just so many duds. Yeah, um, that it gets it gets to be annoying after a while. So. Um, yeah, I, I, it would not shock me if we get towards the end of the year that Quentin Johnston is is a potential top twenty five uh, guy. Like, and and you know you're looking at him and wondering why you got him in a double digit round. Yeah, I was. I'm looking at like the guys that are getting drafted before him potentially, and Zay Flowers being there, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison, all these guys got drafted this year and. Johnson is lower, obviously, mm-hmm. but yeah. I think it's just target share for that. Yeah. Like, you know, other guys are going to have more opportunities. Jordan Addison, I, I was very much considering making my breakout player again with a rookie, but like, th- look at how many targets Adam Thielen had last year with the Minnesota Vikings, and they did nothing to replace him other than Jordan Addison. So those got to go somewhere. Yeah. And no Dalvin and- Cook, too. So. Yeah, and, and and I think I'm picking Johnston over guys like Zay Flowers and um, JSN and Jordan Addison only because Quentin Johnson has a clear as a as a clear path to be the wide receiver one compared to Addison, where you have Justin Jefferson there, um, JSN, you have DK Metcalf there, and Tyler Lockett there as well, and then. Zay Flowers, you have a whole bunch of other guys like Odell Beckham there and Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews. Like, I feel like Zay Flowers is going to be really good, but he's got to work his way up like the pecking order on that team. And then those other guys have to do as well. I feel like Quentin Johnston, just given the guys that are in front of him, has a clearer path to being the primary target moving forward outside of Austin I, I agree with that. Yeah. And, and, and again, the physical gifts are one of those things that like you are going to look at and say like, man, he's got, he's got all the physical traits, but again, I, Jordan Addison, I, I'm going to make Jordan Addison a complimentary breakout player because I just want to stress the people to think about this for a second, a passing first offense, like the Minnesota Vikings, two main people left the Minnesota Vikings this off season, one being Dalvin cook, right? Another being Adam Thielen. And everyone goes, look, Adam Thielen, yeah, he's not really the guy he needs to be, right? 
doesn't matter. Think of the target share. Between those two guys, they have vacated 163 targets. Justin Jefferson already has like an insane amount of targets. He will get more, which is why I think people are so high on him, but they have to go somewhere, right? Where do you go? Well, they just so happen to draft a wide receiver in the first round, Jordan Addison. He's going to get opportunities. Whether or not he capitalizes on those, no clue, right? By the way, a guy who's an All-American at two different schools, too. Pittsburgh Belitnik- and USC. Yeah, yeah. Belitnikov winner. Yeah. That's a little issue with speeding limits, but um, <laughs> I will also say, too, Q, to add to your point, they had to throw their way back into a lot of games last year. So Defense, that is not great. Yeah. On but Brian Flores of- is there now, so. Yeah, so on top of a offense that is pass first without mm-hmm. a like established number one running back, yep, with a defense that is kind of suspect because even though Flores is there, I don't think a lot of personnel has changed. No, so they might have a, a couple, a few more games in their pocket where they're down like fifteen at the half, and they have to put it on to Kirk Cousins and Jordan Addison. Justin Jefferson have to go out and win those games with their hands and their arms and their little feeties. <laughs> Are we going to like make a collective vote for bust to be Kadarius Tony? I, I, I don't need, I listen, young Joker. Um, I, 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 so it's amazing, right? With Jordan Addison and Kadarius Tony, I, I want to kind of stress that like the thing with Jordan Addison, right. Is like why I'm so like kind of pushing him so hard is because fantasy football is such a fucking crap shoot, right? Yeah. You can make all the best decisions that make sense at the time and end up going with two wins. Right. It's just how it happens. Sometimes there are only so many times where you look at a situation and you go like, it's literally just, it is, it's a perfect scenario that makes sense and like, just don't overthink some some things. Kadarius Tony is now entering year three. He's never been healthy for a long stretch. He's constantly beefing with people on social media and then saying he got his old teammates too. There's just be real with ourselves here. Do you really think that this is going to be the time where Kadarius and then now dealing with again with a knee injury? He seems like he might be too shifty for his own good because it seems like every time he like cuts his knees turn into like melted butter. Like it just, it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to be enough to be able to play seven. Like I can't ever picture him playing 17 games every single year. Uh He's going to be a guy who's going to give you those games where he goes off. And then the next week, two catches for 21 yards. And then two more games go by and he misses them due to injury. And then he comes back and he puts up 140 yards. It is going to be so infrequent. It's going to be the variance of it is going to be so much. He is going to be frustrated. Don't do that to yourself. Unless you're getting him for a really good deal and he's going to be a back end, like, you know, bench guy. But like, he, I, I, he is going to frustrate you more than anything. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not particularly very interested. A guy with a world of talent who can make like a couple of fantastic plays and then be out for another three weeks. 100%. Yep. So, that's our um, busts, sleepers, and breakouts for the quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receiver positions. 
um, I think it's fair to say we'll have a more comprehensive fantasy football um, conversation next week. Um, might even throw a few other gimmicks in there as well. But if you all want to share with us, um, if you all want to share with us like potential mock drafts, drafts that you've done or your current team that you've recently drafted. <laughs> um, yeah. Mario, Mario, to just, Mario just go, goading me here. And with that, he was just granted in the season of a lifetime. Yeah, no, I listen. 1,900 famous, yards and 12 touchdowns. Famous last words have always been my thing. Uh, that I just And fantasy football is one of my more frustrating life events. So very possible. Yeah. So we'll have more for you all in the coming weeks. Um, do you want to do assholes and picks of the week? Yeah, why not? We can, we can uh, do that real quick. Okay. All right. Well, my asshole is JetBlue. Because I fucking hate them, um, and they—I'm pretty sure they are a CIA psyop uh, at attempting to drive me insane. Um, so the reason why I'm flying JetBlue tomorrow is because I got stranded in Can- Cancun. I've already told this story, and they gave me a credit uh, for my inconvenience, which was very nice of them. Thank you very much. As that's kind of what they should do. Yeah, using the credit though was a fucking nightmare because. The JetBlue rewards account didn't mix with the JetBlue account because apparently they're two separate things. And then being able to apply a credit to a flight, apparently an impossibility, took hours to book this flight. And I'm not joking, hours to book this flight. By the end, I was literally just like willing to pay the extra money and with no credit to Delta because I never had a problem booking a Delta flight. So uh, JetBlue really pissing me off. And I'm hoping that everything goes seamlessly and then I will rescind the asshole of the week. But until then, fuck you for driving me fucking crazy when I just want to go on vacation. Imagine having or living in a world where it's easy to book a flight. It was one of the more frustrating experiences I've probably ever had like with like a vacation. Like I, I just don't understand to the point where they could offer me like free flights and I don't even know if I want to do it anymore. Yeah, man, that's hard. Um, and especially to talking to the airline, they just like nothing. Matters. They don't give a fuck. Nah, that's, I have so many like horror stories of like trying to fly somewhere, getting delayed and then canceled and having like, it's just not ideal. So anybody who has to go through that, we're rooting for you. Hope everything's okay. Um, my asshole of the week is actually going to be an entire organization, and that is mm. the NCAA. Um, it's not necessarily all of the stuff with the conference realignment shit because that's that is what it is. That's all money related. But college football is starting this weekend. Very exciting time. What a time to be alive. College football starts. You know the, the NFL is not too far away. Fall is coming. Halloween, everyone's favorite holiday, very close. Gobs and gobs of candy everywhere. That's what I think. So I look at the schedule of who's going to be playing this week, and it is an absolute dumpster of teams to watch. And (laughs) I'm sure somebody is interested in these games. Go Tigers. There's one game that I'm kind of interested in, and that's it. So we're looking at Notre Dame and Navy is the primary 230 game on ESPN. 
and mm. their big draw is like, oh, it's going to be played in Dublin, Ireland. It's like, cool. They care about as much of that fucking game as I do. And they're playing Navy, which is interesting. But again, it's two teams that look like each other playing each other. And mm. the game's going to be fucking boring. No one's going to care. <laughs> and then the other one's like UTEP, Jacksonville State, UMass, New Mexico State, Ohio, San Diego State, Hawaii, Vanderbilt. The only one that I'm really interested in is USC, San Jose State, just because I want to watch Caleb Williams. And then Louisiana Tech, Florida, FIU. What a, like, non-exciting opening weekend of college football. And for all of the, like, the craziness that has happened around the conference realignment stuff and the, like, annoyance with the NIL things, too, there's been a lot of, like, bad press NCAA has had to deal with. And I'm not necessarily blaming them solely because ultimately the teams are the ones that get to pick who they play, but you can't find any better matchups than this. This is rough. Like I have watched college football for a long time. I don't remember a sorrier opening weekend than this. Like these games are on television. I'm sure somebody's going to watch them because there are fucking sickos out there that want to watch these games. Hmm. But these are teams that you watch out of, like, desperation, not interest. You know what these are? I take it back. You know what they are? They're games you gamble on. And that's probably why That's probably why they are here, because there's going to be some fucking lunatic out there that's going to have points on the UTEP-Jacksonville State game, and they're going to want to be able to watch it on CBS. Yeah, I always say that the – opening week of college football um, for me has always been one of those things that it's like the excitement is palpable because it's like, Oh my God. Like, cause you know that the start of the college football season is like the week before the start of the NFL season. So you're always like, you know, that the, the first few weeks are always kind of right there, but it always has the worst fucking games in it. So it's like an ex- initial excitement level that turns into like, all right, I'm kind of fucking bored now because like these games fucking suck. Yeah. So it really is kind of like a it's a, it's a real downer after. Uh, so, but yeah, like really with with college football, it's you have to wait until like because like once Alabama gets through going against Jackson State and like you know all these other teams that are that don't stand a chance against them. Once that happens, that's when these games start getting good. So you really do have to kind of wait until the midpoint of the season for for college football to kind of pick up. I mean, even like the Thursday matchups are a little bit better because you have like at least Florida, Utah are playing each other. Yeah. Nebraska, Minnesota, at least that's a Big Ten matchup. Um, it, I mean, there's something there, but like nothing beats how bad that opening weekend it's like that this is ass like somebody at the scheduling department at all of these places has a very bad gambling problem and they said yeah but you know it'd be sick we had hawaii vanderbilt on (laughs) everyone everyone would fucking watch that it's a real barn burner yeah especially like like the san diego ohio game like everybody like those two teams are bitter rivals right like there's clearly like a regional thing between San Diego, California, and Athens, Ohio. (laughs) The classic rivalry. Yes, the the granddaddy of them all. (laughs) (laughs) All Oh man! 
Yeah, I'm a sucker for a good cooking show, and like it's this show is so fucking pretentious, but I'm I'm into it. Um, it's called Five Star Chef, um, on Netflix, and it's it's so fucking stupid because it's a bunch of British people just going like, "This is the legendary Langham Hotel," like, and it's like I don't know anything about these hotels or anything like that, but like I'm a sucker for like watching people like because basically what they're trying to do is find the next five star chef and but what they're testing people to do is not only cook right and make it taste good but have like a legitimate theme to their things and it's it's interesting to watch like how people either use cultural stuff or like actual like general likes um to kind of reflect in their cooking and uh i don't know it's just it's just kind of an it's also the first cooking show that i've ever seen where the first round like there are people there they'll be like, "Yep, you're moving on to the next round." Nope, you're not. Moving. And then there was two times where they go, "Maybe, I'm not sure about you." <laughs> fucking like tiebreaker. <laughs> yeah, they did a tiebreaker, but he was just like, it was just the way the chef was just like, "Maybe, I don't know." And I'm just sitting there, I'm fucking dying laughing. It is complete trash TV, but I just enjoy it. So, if you like cooking shows, I recommend it. They make anything good though, like. Is this stuff that you want to eat? Yeah, there was one dude who is uh, from the Caribbean, um, and he made like a jerk chicken that looked like I wanted Hell to. Just yes. de- I wanted to devour it. Yes, book it. I love that. There's always something good. Like I feel like Netflix has a lot of these like junk shows that they just buy the rights to. Such a junk but, show. But some of them are like worth it. Um, I don't necessarily know if Dubai Bling is one of them, but I don't even want to know like, what that's about. For, for all for like the ten Dubai Blings out there, they have one of these. It's like this is a God. diamond in the rough. But I have a Netflix diamond in the rough. Um, if you watched the Night Agent yet? No, I haven't. So it's a funny show because it follows that same like Netflix pathway of like we couldn't pay for this on our own. So we have just like rando sponsorship throughout it, but it's somewhere in between designated survivor. And what was the name of that show? The rookie or mm, yeah. The, the one that we made fun of that it was just like an unserious show. Yeah. You and God, I, I don't think I ever actually caught it. Um, no, it you're, you're better off. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. Um, the recruit. That's what the it recruit, was. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, so it's somewhere in between that. Like the story is actually really interesting. And Mario likes that. So good to see we're on the same wavelength there. The story is interesting. The writing is a little hokey. The acting is kind of hit or miss. But they have some relatively decently known actors and actresses in it. It's just good enough to keep you interested. And there's a couple of plot twists in there too. Like, I want to warn everybody, like, this is not by any means like award-winning television, but it's not nearly as bad as some of the other shit that Netflix has put out in the last like <laughs> two years. So if you're looking for something that you're looking for a good story, but you're willing to kind of like suspend the realm of disbelief. Mm. got to get past episode one mario said it right there um but i think it starts to pick up but it's also plagued by like that classic netflix challenge of like do we want the show to be funny do we want the show to be serious like the tone is like all over the place it feels like two like two different writers one was writing a comedy and one was writing an action and they were just like 
All right, I'm gonna write one page. You write one page. All right, ready? Go. Like, it's like and we're not fucking... gonna blend. We're not gonna blend them. No. We're just gonna keep them separate. No, it's just like you're gonna write a page. I'm gonna look, and I'm gonna make a comedy, and then I'm gonna write a fucking. It's just. It's like you got my. You got your chocolate and my peanut butter, and like you got my peanut butter and chocolate. <laughs> It's just what the fuck, man. It's just like it's so fucking like Chat GPT definitely writes these shit, right? Oh yeah, for sure. I had um, I know that we're short on time here, but I had Chat GPT write a scene from Mad Men one time. <laughs> Hysterical. Oh god, we need to post Hysterical. That. I love it. Um, but maybe next time we'll be able to share some of that. But Q, unless you got anything else, we're gonna get out of here. That's all, man. All right, so. Thanks, y'all, for participating and listening to us rant about who we like, who we hate, and who we're hopeful for in the NFL season for fantasy football. Q is off to New Orleans to sweat, drink, and eat. Wish him the best. Um, If you want to follow his journey, follow him onto the plane. Um, But we should be we should be back next week, and Mm -hmm. we'll dig that. We'll dive deeper into some of the fantasy football stuff. You can find us on all the major streaming platforms. If you want to provide us with your fantasy team, what your draft looked like, send it to us. We'll talk about it. We'll make fun of it. And or we'll, we'll, we'll be doing, uh, we'll be doing our league again and we will definitely go over all the picks and everything like that. And we can give our reasonings for why we did what we did. Absolutely. All right, folks, that does it for us. We'll see you next week. See you in Bye. the funny papers. And I'm not kidding you. He goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live. Suck it, Jack Sparrow. (laughs)